but glad to be back. And turn, if you would, to uh, John chapter 15. We're going to, uh, the title of the message is, The Holy Spirit is Not It. Now maybe you're thinking, oh, I didn't know we were playing tag. And uh, it's not like, uh, tag, you're it. But I, what the emphasis of this message is that the Holy Spirit, I want you to think of a person. The Holy Spirit is not some mystical force. Wow. It is the third person of the Trinity. You never know what's going to happen. So. <laughs> but there is a, the personal nature, and that's what we're going to look at this morning, about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not an it, if you will. So follow along as I read uh, John chapter 15, 26, and 27, and then I'm going to skip a little bit just because of the context to uh, chapter 16, verses 5 through 11. So please follow along as I read, and I think this, is, uh, this will be from the New King James, where it starts off chapter uh, 15, verse 26 and 27, which says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. In chapter 16, verse 5 says, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Shall we open in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just pray as we study your word, as we look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're grateful for the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit is God. And we are grateful for the work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. As we look at this morning, I have on the slides, and we're not um, just to understand the, the personal nature. So if you advance to the next is the third person of the Trinity. And often in the Greek, the transliteration what they've taken is the Greek word and then translate it, tried to, you know, look at it in English. And it means paraclete, not parakeet, but paraclete, which means alongside. And so some of the names we use for the Holy Spirit is comforter, advocate, helper, counselor, spirit of truth. And it's essential for us to understand the fact that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is God. Sometimes in Baptist circles, afraid of the Holy Spirit but to understand the essential nature of the work. And each of these three persons of the Trinity are so vital to the ministry as we think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible gives us evidence that the Holy Spirit has attributes of personality. In John 16, as we read and even through here, there are ten references to he, that personal pronoun, to distinguish the person of the Holy Spirit as you think about it in different languages. And even in the Greek, there, uh, if you know a different language, sometimes there's masculine, feminine, and neuter. But the Holy Spirit is always used as a personal pronoun. And as we look at the evidence that the Holy Spirit possesses personality, they have a heightened intellect, 
a heightened emotions and heightened will. It's what separates even humans to the extent of personality from your pets. Now, Americans love pets. We give them personal names, and it depends on the cultures what pets uh, names we give them. But there's a distinction between mankind. There's a distinction in personality. And this heightened, as we think about the Holy Spirit, even in personality, there's a heightened intellect because as we see, go to the next um, slide. There's a heightened intelligence, emotion, will. In referring to intelligence, knows and searches the things of God, possesses a mind, teaches people, but also emotionally can be grieved. Pray with and for him on the love of the Spirit. And even as we think about humanly speaking, it's part of what gives us personality. Now, we have a, a dog, we have a, a Yorkie Shih Tzu, his name is Theo. But, you know, a dog can be grieved. You know, they're going to come by, and um, um, when they're sad and owners, you know, you say, oh, look, the dog is sad, but the dog's still going to have a face like this. You know, there's not that facial expression. And so the heightened possesses a mind. We know that pets, you know, they're intelligent, but the level of human, and some people say, well, my pet's more human than others. I love them more. But to understand, there is a distinction. We are created in the image of God and the personality and the teaching. You know, while your dog is not going to teach you algebra, you, you know, your dog is not going to teach you, it may teach you um, other things, um, discipline to make you go walk it and feed it. But um, as we look at the personality, the heightened intellect, the heightened emotion, the heightened will, the distribution of gifts based on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit leading Paul and forbidding them to preach. If you remember going through Acts, the Spirit expressly said you can't go here. But also, as we look at evidences of the personhood, if we go to the next slide, understand the Holy Spirit has been given tasks and completes them. The Holy Spirit has the power of speech in Revelation. And uh, even just looking at that, and for sake of time, we're not going to through all of them, but to, but to look at these, the Holy Spirit teacher, when he comes, remember the, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come and teach you things. Testifies or witness in John 15, 26, and Romans 8, 16, guides us. You know, if you've ever been to a large facility or a national monument, or as we think about it, sometimes a guide will help you and give you insight. If you've ever been to Washington, some of the national monuments. Um, I, we had been there a uh, few years ago, and right after that, they opened up the Museum of the Bible. And I didn't know there was, you know, you think, oh, it's just a museum of a bunch of old books, right? But no, there's a lot more to it. And there was actually at the conference someone that instructs you. Sometimes the guide gives you the insight. But the Holy Spirit helps us understand, commands and directs people in Acts 8.29, uh, as we think about it, performs miracles, intercedes on our behalf with groaning. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray to God because we're so distressed emotionally. But the Holy Spirit intervenes. The Holy Spirit can be obeyed, but the Holy Spirit can be disobeyed. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. If you remember Acts 5, this couple, and it wasn't about... How much they gave, it was the fact that they lied about it to the Holy Spirit, it says. Peter says, you have lied not only, you know, us, but to the Holy Spirit. Can be resisted, can be blasphemed, 
can be reverenced and can be outraged. So as we think about the person of the Holy Spirit. But as we move back to the text, understanding in John 16, and especially in verses 7 and 8, it talks about, it says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. As we look at the role, primary role of the Holy Spirit in coming to the world, here Jesus is praying. As we know this, the, the words of Christ, sometimes in the Bible, is read, but as he goes through and thinking about, even in the context, he's speaking and talking to his disciples. But the work of the Holy Spirit and to understand what is the, the primary role, but to convict the, or convince the world of sinfulness. You know, this is actually an act of love. That may sound crazy to say, hey, you're, you're a sinner. Most of us think, when we think of someone tells you a sinner, well, well great, huh? you're, you're a terrible person too. But as we think about and recognize our sinfulness, we are sinners. And because of that position, that state that we're in, that, guess what? We do bad things. Each of us do bad things. You know, each of you are probably pretty nice people. I know most of you. You know, and you're very intelligent. You are kind to others. But guess what? Each of us are sinners. And we do bad things. We have bad thoughts. We have offended and opposed the God of the universe. That personal God. And the Holy Spirit convinces us that's true because you know what? The world's philosophies and teachings say, guess what? You're not that bad of a person. You deserve this. Hey, you're doing okay. You know, that was so nice of you. Look at how good you are. Look at how good singer you are. Look at how good you, drawer you are. Look at how, how good um, intelligent you are. And we like that. You know, it builds us up. Those accolades, they, they make us feel pretty good, right? But we're still sinners. And the Holy Spirit tells us that we are wrong, that we have done wrong, that we are enemies of God. And guess what? Because of that position, there is a punishment coming. Now, how kind of is it is to say, hey, you know what? Everything's all right. Don't worry about it. You just go on. If you picture with me this, how many of you like GPS? Okay, I like GPS because going around some of the streets and everything going around, some of it was like when it first came out, you know, the Garmin and the Navi, it's like, turn left, you know, and the voice, oh, got to tell, you know, the voice, turn left. And they would follow it, and they would go through it. And sometimes the problem was some of the roads weren't always correct. The maps keep updating, and sometimes you're going down, and, you know, people driving, turn left, okay, boom, and they turn into a curb, or they go through a fence, you know, because they follow it blindly. But how, how beneficial would it be, or how loving would it be if, you know, say, oh, guess what? You know, you know that that road's closed down there, and guess what? If, if you think about it, okay, guess what? There's a ramp, you know. How come every time that there's always construction, there's a ramp that allows you to jump over a river? Seems like, you know, in the movies or somewhere, or you're jumping over something. But that's what happens, right? Oh, it's construction. It must be they're building a bridge, and they're going to use it to jump over. So how kind of would be, oh, keep going, you know, 80 miles an hour down the highway, and, you know, there's no road there, but keep going through that. Oh, okay, fine. And that's what we're letting people do in the sense that that is what's going on. We are all headed toward this path that has an, a very abrupt end which, ends, which is death but also eternal death 
And guess what? We're sinners. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that and tells us that we're unworthy of salvation. The world tells us we deserve it and not that bad. But the Holy Spirit stimulates our neural synapses in our hearts to communicate to our brain that we transgress, that we commit wrong, we break God's laws, and we need to confess our sins and ask for true forgiveness. It's kind of like that, uh, um, if you think about most men, you know, men don't like to ask for directions. I know where I'm going, right? You know, if you had just... Look, looked at the map or, you know, check back there, you know, you would be fine. But sometimes we think we're, in, we're right and we just head on and keep going. But bam, the Holy Spirit convicts our heart and our mind and says, hey, wait a second. Look at where you're at in life. And we need that. Do you know we need that daily? Convicts the world of sinfulness because so often the world is full of sinfulness. And guess what? It's not that bad. It's okay. Watch this. Do this go there. It's not that bad. If it were bad, you know, why would people be doing it? Have a good time. If it feels good, do it, right? But that's not the principles of the Bible. That's not what Jesus taught. And we need that constant reminder that, guess what? We are sinful. Satan is a deceiver. As we look at it, he causes us to doubt God. Where have we heard that before? Will God really punish you does God really care? Does God really love you? Would he, do you think he loves you? Would he allow this to happen to you in your life? Will he really punish you? Does he really exist? Or what about, he causes us to rationalize our sin. That's not really sin. That's not bad, you know. So-and-so, your neighbor does it all the time, so you can do it too, right? Causes us to deny personal accountability of our sin. Think about the reminders, you know, oh, you know, don't worry, you know, it's fine. There won't be any repercussions, no consequences for it. But yet the Bible says there is, and it is sin, and we have transgressed God's laws. And because of that, there's a coming event. But yet God, um, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict us of our sins that we're bad people because if we went around and said, oh man, I'm bad, I'm terrible, I'm putrid. Which, you know, I'm unworthy. We're, we're worthless. You know, just go back to school and the kids will tell you that, right? Or have kids and they'll tell you, right? But to understand, you know, positionally before Christ, if it were just that, then what good is, what good are we? Life would be futile. It, it would be like looking at Ecclesiastes, right? What worth is there in life? And that would lead people just to say, I, I want out of the world. But the Holy Spirit also convinces the world of righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And as we look at it, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth and helps us understand what is right. The spirit of truth tells us the truth of the gospel. Jesus is going to the Father and leaving the world of its own inadequate standard. Remember, he says the righteousness, I am going to my Father. Jesus is leaving. Now there is no visible representation of goodness of one who does miracles, of one who, who is able to be perfect in every way. See, sometimes it's helpful to have that model. If we think about in life, a mentor or someone who shows us, if you've ever had a new job and kind of shows you the, okay, this is where, you know, the important things are. This is where the restroom is. This is where your office is. This things, or like that. You know, they show you where things are. That's helpful. 
But as we understand here, Jesus is going to the Father and leaving the world to its own inadequate standard. And sometimes it's like, okay, now what? And the light of life is leaving the world. The Holy Spirit convicts people of what is true righteousness. And righteousness, as we simply put, what is right and what is wrong? Think about, remember, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and prophet for doctrine, for a proof, for correction. Correction is to take what's wrong and make it right. You know, it'd be great to go through school, you have all these tests and you get perfect A's, right? Oh, they're perfect. You know, you can have any answer. We don't want to offend you. You can have any answer and that's okay. All right, eight plus six equals 13, right? Hey, I got it right. Imagine going through life and no one correcting you. You might be happy, but when you find out that, oh, there's no such thing as gravity and you walk off the Grand Canyon, you might be a little sad on the bottom. Reality sets in. But to understand here is that the Spirit tells us that we need to be forgiven. You know what? There is a cure for our sinfulness, and that is found in the person work of Jesus Christ. Jesus forgives our sins. It's a new relationship, a new concept. You know, remember our sins and have difficulty forgiving ourselves. That's the challenge. But yet others also like to remind us of our sinfulness. But the Holy Spirit reminds us that we've been forgiven. Our new relationship is based on the righteousness of Jesus, not in ourselves, because we're still going to continue to sin in these bodies. But the Holy Spirit says, guess what? The righteousness of Christ. And it's not based upon our own merit, our own worthiness, but it's based upon Jesus. And our new relationship is based upon the righteousness of Jesus and that we have been saved by grace through faith. Only through a position of forgiveness can a believer have access to God the Father. But the Spirit also tells us that we can be saved. Not only do we need to be forgiven, but we can be saved. How many of you um, are good swimmers? Like, uh, if you could swim in the ocean, no problem. Okay, a few of you. you know, if you think about swimming, you know, I'm not a very good swimmer. My legs sink. You know, there's one guy who says, oh, it's no big deal. But most of the swimmers, if you think about it, there's a certain percentage, a body percentage, that some people float, some people don't. I'm a sinker. My legs sink. It's like I have to work hard to try to keep my legs floating. Maybe at the Dead Sea, you know, where it's salty, I could float well, but I sink. So, and I used to like surfing when I was younger, be out in the ocean. And guess what? It's hard work. And there was one time when I was not in an ocean. I was in a man-made lake in New York. And I had been playing volleyball, a sand beach volleyball, all afternoon. Well, what happened was I got cramped really bad, and I'm out there swimming, and, and I had to get rescued. It was a little embarrassing, but you know what? I, it was better than because I was out in the middle, and there's like a dock area, and I had to get rescued. And it was a cute lifeguard. That's one benefit. But anyway, I had to come in, and they gave me a hard time about it, but the whole point is that I came in, and I had to be rescued, delivered from my... I would have drowned. I, there was no way I could swim. It was like when you get that cramp. You see the soccer players who they push their cleats um, because they've been running so long. It's the same picture. Salvation is deliverance from the penalty of our sins. That's what the word means. And we have been delivered from the penalty of our sins. That comes through salvation. See, the Spirit communicates the truth of the gospel by helping us understand that Jesus Christ is worthy to remove the stain of our sin in our lives. He died on the cross. 
Only a perfect and holy sacrifice is acceptable to God. Jesus is the righteous lamb, and only he could provide salvation in our place. We can't die for ourselves because we're sinful. And there is no other name under heaven whereby which we can be saved. We can't be saved in the name of Wayne. We can't be saved in the name of any superstar. And the Holy Spirit communicates that. Also communicates that we are a true child of God. When a person comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit seals each believer and helps them identify them as a child of God. That sealing was a mark in wax. Each person had a signet ring or um, an identification of family. Our signature is if you own a house or a place or if you had to sign a contract, a vehicle, you have to sign your name. That is your, if you will, sealing mark. Then they just had wax and seal it with an envelope or, you know, to, it was unbreakable except by, to be removed by the owner. And that's no one, not only can we know that we can be saved, but that we can know that we are a child of God because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Imagine that God the Father dwells in us only because through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that even though we continue to sin, our position of salvation is based upon the work of Jesus and not ourselves. That's why, guess what? We still mess up. We are still sinful. But what do we do? 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sins. That means to say what we've done, communicate it. Guess what? I have sinned. I have done this. We're literally agreeing with God. Now, we don't have to beat ourselves up saying, oh, you're putrid, you're nothing. That's just like junior high bullying. What we're saying is that I'm a sinner, I've done wrong. You're agreeing with God that, you know, we've, we've thought wrong, we've done wrong. And it's a daily practice, but also God forgives our sins and puts us, and guess what? Guess what? It's removed. Not going to hold it against you. Move forward and progress. Learn about who God is. Learn about yourself. And understand through Scripture as we read that. But then also as we look forward is convicts the world of judgment. It says in chapter 16, going through in verse And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. The ruler of this world. There is an opposition. There is someone who's going to work hard. Now, he may not personally do it, but guess what? There is opposition to you serving Christ, to living for Christ. But the Holy Spirit is a restrainer. Hold your spot and go to 2 Thessalonians 2, 5 and 7. 2 Thessalonians 2, 5 and 7. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 5 and 7. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, if you know the song. But 2 Thessalonians... And we're in verse 2, verse 5 and 7, talking about the lawless one. And it says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. If you, in your Bibles, often it's... um. 
it is a capitalized to represent, but it wasn't originally. But the context, we know that that is the Holy Spirit. Someday, when believers are taken out of this world, you know, there's the Holy Spirit is going to be removed, the indwelling part of the Holy Spirit. And as you think about the contrast with the Old Testament, did you know in the Old Testament people got saved? Sometimes we forget that. But they didn't have the same indwelling Holy Spirit that we have in the New Testament. And we forget that. And think about their faith. The faith. While they didn't have the same revelation revealing of what was going to happen, they still believed and the Messiah was to come. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All of those individuals believed on a Messiah, one who would come and deliver them. And God always kept a faithful remnant. If you go through the word of God, And the Bible states that Jesus will return and believers will be removed from the earth. We do not know the day or the hour, but the sin of the world will not endure forever. Judgment day is coming. And we should not look upon that judgment day as purely joy upon sinners. You know, sometimes uh, as we think, read through Revelation, how long, how long will you allow those, those martyrs, those people to die? There is judgment coming. But we should look at it with the mindset that there are still people who need to place their faith and trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit convinces the world that Jesus has overcome the grave and therefore Satan has been defeated. You know, the blessing of being a believer is that, guess what? We know how it ends. We just don't know when. So endure, believers. Understand that everything that happens in your life There is benefit that God has a plan and purpose for each of us until the time that he calls us home through death or the return. And until then, he can use us but confess our sins as we think about and understand the Holy Spirit is reminding us, teaching us, guide us. Sometimes we're very hard-headed and we don't learn very quickly. You know, there's times in my life where, you know what, God has to hit us over the head a couple times. Oh, now I get it, right? But as we see and understand that the Holy Spirit convinces the world that Jesus has overcome the grave, the final judgment has been pronounced, but the penalty has not yet been carried out. Death has been defeated, and Jesus is alive and provides eternal life. As we look at this morning, the Lord's Supper, it is a visible reminder to believers of the local church And to remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. You know, we need reminders. You know, we used to have day timers. We have calendars. We have the iPhones. We have Android and the calendars and reminders. And you know what? Sometimes I have to, I set a reminder here. I'll give a little personal insight about me. Because sometimes I forget or things going on. I set reminders of like 15 minutes before and of the time. Double reminders. Sometimes if I don't put something right by the door, I'll forget it. Because something will come into my mind or I'm thinking something else or I'm saying, hey, come on, let's go, and I'll forget it. We need constant reminders. We need reminders of reminders because of how busy we are. But the visible reminders are a little more powerful. And even in Corinthians, it talks about the fragrance of believers to one another. We are um, the smell, the powerful fragrance of victory of Christ. As how we live is a visible picture, reminder of others of the death of Jesus Christ. But for the local church, it says, do this in remembrance of me. Here we have the body of Jesus Christ. And 
And in the first century, they were accused of being um, people who eat other people. Cannibals. But guess what? We're not cannibals. This is a, a representation. It doesn't turn into, magically turn into the body of Christ. This is a reminder that Jesus Christ was the last supper when he took that bread. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. He took that cup and they passed it around and shared it and said, guess what? I'm going to die. This blood. His body had to be broken. His, his blood was shed to overcome the sins of the world. Not only everyone else's sins, but guess what? My sin. Each of your sins. And it is still efficacious. It's still effective when we sin. So we're going to ask the um, deacons and the other men, if they would come forward, just sit on the um, front row here. And as we think about the reminder that Jesus still provides the salvation, God loved us enough to send his son Jesus Christ to die on the earth, a painful and humiliating human death on our behalf. You know, we wouldn't do that. Communion reminds us that his blood is still effective in forgiving sins and the unity that we can have as a local church.